Welcome to the wonderful world of wine. We are your hosts, Mark Lindsay and Kim Simone, exploring all things wine with you. You can find us on Facebook at The Wonderful World of Wine. Thank you for joining us again today. Kim and I are here every week talking wine with you, and every week we kind of go through things on the internet and stories we're following, trends we're following. We come in and discuss them together and talk with you about them. So first, we'd like to talk about what we researched ourselves this week. I wanted to ask him, I was researching an article. There's a gentleman who writes a, an article in the Boston Herald called Gratefully Yours. Have you ever read this article, Kim? No, I do, haven't. Do you read the Herald at all? I don't read the Herald. No, more I only a, read more, the I'm more of a, of a globe lady. I Honestly, I don't read the paper either, but I was Googling wine things, uh-huh. and this gentleman's ad popped up. He writes a, a column. I always wonder how these people get these uh, advice columns for, for wine in the newspaper, but the gentleman's name was Jim Campani, I believe it was. Okay. But his big thing was recommending a region or, or wines, and then he says, well, you can find them here. And one thing that stuck out to me, and I had to get your feedback on. He's from, I think, the Lowell Tribune or Lowell in the northern part of Mass. Uh-huh. Every wine he recommended said to find it at the New Hampshire State Outlet Store. So I'm thinking, the guy's writing in a Boston paper, right? And he's sending everyone to New Hampshire to purchase. What do you think about, in in general, what do you think of that? And then what what do you think about when you read an article on wine and it recommends it gives a price? And most of the time, I see the price is totally, totally different Mm -hmm. than what it actually is. So to your first question, I, I think he's maybe doing that because, frankly, it's a whole lot easier. So because New Hampshire is a controlled state, and the state of New Hampshire runs their liquor, liquor distribution and wine distribution. That means that everything that you can buy for wine is available at the state controlled stores and you don't have the variety that you have in Massachusetts stores. So if you're shopping for wine in Massachusetts and you can go to five different stores all in the same town, they might be selling all different wines. So it's a whole lot harder to recommend, I think, wines for stores in Massachusetts because you really have to do the legwork and you have to go to different places and you have to figure out what people's inventories are. But for New Hampshire, it's probably a whole lot easier because it's like a one-stop shop. So I'm thinking maybe he's doing it because it's just easier. He just drives across the yeah. border into New Hampshire and is like, okay, what you see is what you get. That's as opposed to, too. you know, different places that someone might specialize in Italian wines or somebody else might specialize in wines that go great with cheese or different things. That's what I was thinking. He's writing an article probably for a North Shore newspaper that the Herald picks up yeah. and reruns. Yeah. But then I'm thinking if I'm a resident in Boston, I pick up the Herald and the and they're telling me to go all the way to New Hampshire to find this wine. I would just say this is the wine. You'll you it's if it's in Massachusetts, you can find it. Yeah, and chances you are know? that probably most of the wines he's recommending as available in New Hampshire are available in Massachusetts. But if he's quoting a price for what they're selling it for in New Hampshire, that price is going to be very different in Massachusetts. Again, because New Hampshire is a state-controlled alcohol. Yeah, and I've, I've seen before where even like news channels. Every once in a while, you're watching a news channel and, and a bar. Boston Channel, and they say, oh, there's a sale in 
in here up in new hampshire this week like why yeah. are they driving the revenue out of the state yeah. i don't i don't understand it but I, I just think these opinion articles where people are writing major newspapers it should be based on just just mention the wine and put it out there and let people find it so does this come into play with the pricing thing that you were talking well, about well the pricing too? thing was more that most of the major wine publications will re- review a wine and then list the price and the price in every state is different due to three tier or the state controls the pricing so they should give a range to me instead of saying it's twenty dollars say you, you're gonna find it 15 to 30 give a range yeah. because because it is different it can be different from people place think to place. that's that's the price yeah. and it, it's based on many many factors availability like we always talk about the top 100 wine of the world when it comes out no matter what they say the price you're not going to find it and it's tough when you like google a wine and you see five different stores and they have massively different prices but for that you're looking at even different states and there's a, a lot of, of difference I just wanted your opinion thank you because I, I found it and I'm saying I have to ask Kim what she thinks <laughs> it's always good to be asked my opinion So some big news that has come to us from over the summertime in regards to alcohol distribution and wine that will be having ramifications in for years going forward was a ruling by the Supreme Court that came down about retailers and what can re- retailers sell and where can they sell it. So a little bit of back information on this. There was a Supreme Court decision about 10 years ago called Granholm versus is healed that stated that retailers or that if, if consumers can buy wine from wineries within their own states, then they should be allowed to purchase wines from wineries outside of their states and have them shipped into them. That it's unconstitutional that wineries within a state get special treatment, whereas wineries across state lines do not receive that same special treatment. So that means that we changed a little bit here in Massachusetts because in the past we were never able to purchase wines from wineries directly from wineries in other states and could only purchase from Massachusetts wineries. But now that's been loosened a little bit. So now you can actually directly order some wine from a winery. But what you can't do is purchase wine from a store in a different state. So say you go online and you see there's some big store in New York or Chicago that has a whole variety of wine and you want to buy one of those bottles, you can't do it legally. So that is what this Supreme Court decision from over the summer came down about is saying that, okay, that rule is now unconstitutional. And it's not fair that if you can buy wine from a liquor store in your own state, you should be able to purchase from one outside of the state as well. Yeah, this... There's so much to this, Kim, and I think what our listeners need to go way, way back and why this is all coming up, all these Supreme Court, why they're getting to the Supreme Court level. After Prohibition, the government said to the states, you can decide how you want to control liquor. We can't get out of control again. We're going to we're going to allow liquor again. It's been dangerous. Let's allow it again. But the states have to control. Do you want to accept and control the distribution or do you want to go to the three-tier system, which Massachusetts is three-tier, New Hampshire, Pennsylvania are state-controlled. So first, the states had to decide that. So in the 86 years, the Supreme Court has only changed things twice, I think. And a lot of big retail 
retailers and consumers have been going and saying, listen, you haven't, what you said way back doesn't make sense. Mm-hmm. And shipping was one of them. If, why can't, if I can't find the wine in my state, why can't I go to the wine, or, you know, order online, have them ship it to me? And they then said, you're right, you know, you can, as long as the winery pays the state the fee. And they, they distributed through the proper channels, licensing and stuff. So I think 2005 was the, the winery right to ship. Correct. And then this one. This, so these are the only these two, the two things. Mm-hmm. And a big part of it was in Tennessee, one of their prohibition after laws was you couldn't own a liquor store if you didn't live in the state. Right. That's what this current So case. that's what started That's who it. brought this current case. That's what started it. So a, a retailer who was a multi-state retailer said, we want to put a store in Tennessee. And they said, no, you have to live in this. And that, that makes no sense. So they challenged it. And that led to this other part where it said, now we want to ship from any of our stores in any of the states to anybody who, who wants to, to purchase. And they said, you know, you're right. It should, it should be. And it's opened up a lot of can of worms. And I think in mass, people are now saying, stores are now saying, okay, we can now ship out of state. And the mass beverage people are saying, you know, just wait, don't <laughs> do not do it yet because you don't want to be the first one that does it. And then they come down on you some way. So, right. And then it's, it's also hard to figure out the actual logistics of shipping. Like who's going to do the physical shipping? The U.S. mail certainly isn't going to because they don't allow shipment of alcohol. But is it UPS? Is it FedEx? Will it be some other company? How do you make sure sure that the person who is receiving it is old enough to actually receive it. So that is some of the pushback against these kind of things is what is the point of restricting sales and restricting sales across state lines? Is it consumer protection or is it financial protection of in-state interests? So that's kind of where a lot of the what a lot of the questioning is coming from. It's like who are we actually protecting? with some of these rules. And that you're absolutely right that that totally goes right back to prohibition. And I'm glad that you mentioned the history of it because, you know, you can't take these sort of things in a vacuum. There's this history and there's this reasoning behind why these decisions are made and it all impacts one another. So here's how Massachusetts retailers are looking at it, Kim. They're saying, okay, you're going to allow shipping in the state from any stores or wineries or whatever. Isn't that going against the three-tier system that the state said we want to do. We Mm -hmm. want to control how it's distributed. So what's stopping a major chain from saying to a winery, don't ship to the distributor, just ship it to us and we'll distribute it to all our stores ourselves. And if you want to order it from another state, we'll just send it to them, right? So there's worry that all of this is going to collapse the three-tier states, the three-tier system, Mm -hmm. which makes sense. And and there's more and more of that coming up in 2020. There's another thing that's going to challenge the whole three-tier system. But it's it's an interesting thing. And, yeah. And, and I think it's a legitimate concern that this will change the landscape of selling of alcohol. And how is that going to impact the current structure? Absolutely. There was another thing about after prohibition where there were rules set. So there was no monopoly right. of the distribution. Not no one. Per- so think about if one big if Amazon was the only place that wanted to carry wine or liquor and you could only get it from Amazon. Technically, it's 
they're monopolizing the industry. But they isn't could, sort of the, this the direction that the three-tiered system is kind of going in anyway? I mean, we've been seeing consolidation of wholesalers over the last 20 years, where once upon a time, we had a whole bunch of little distributors, and yeah. now they've been kind of bought up. So like a state like Massachusetts, you know, we used to have lots and lots of small ones. Yeah. And, and now we're starting to have fewer and fewer, but bigger and bigger. And in other states, it's even worse, where they might only have like just a handful of these really gigantic distributors, and it kind of is a monopoly for them. So it's al- it's almost like, well, this isn't going to drastically change the way that it's that the distribution is happening. It's already happening with or without this decision. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. It's going to more and more bigger retailers and less of the small retailers. Mm-hmm. But that ch- and that's a lot of people what they're challenging. It's going to create monopolies. Right. And I think what the people are losing sight of, which goes back to what we talked about earlier, is why these laws were put in p- place as far as uh, taking care. It was it was a health thing. It was to control people getting out of control with liquor. And I feel strongly that it's just seen everywhere now. And I think that's the bad thing about the liquor industry you go into any store now you're seeing beer and wine right so you think too more, much exposure you think more regulation keeps people from drinking too much i think it's all about exposure to younger people okay if you goes back to way back when cigarettes when they were just handing out cigarettes to everybody everybody was exposed to it when i went into a grocery store as a kid i looked for the cookies and the fritos now you can't get to those items without going through stacks of wine and beer right i mean that's that's what I see. And I think people going in a store now expect to see alcohol. And that's where we're going. It's going to be everywhere. It's going to be just like New Hampshire, where you'll see it everywhere. I don't know if that's a good thing. It's not, I don't want to fight it as monopoly. I don't want to fight it as competition. I just think that it's bad to be exposing everybody to it. So you do buy into the argument that more restriction is better for the health of More control. I'm not saying restrict it to where you can't buy it online or something like that. I think people, if it's not being sold, you should be able to buy it as a consumer. And that was the big fight of this point. But it also waived a lot of a lot of things that were put in place to to prevent more exposure. That's yeah. the way I feel. I don't know that you're necessarily in the majority for this anymore. Like I think once upon a time, a lot of people bought into this argument and believed that this was the reason why we should have more consumer protection when it comes to alcohol. But I think social change, there's the convenience less... Convenience change is Yeah, the convenience the thing. Yep. But no, I think that that is, you know, socially people are much more lenient when it comes to the availability of alcohol. I mean, look at how much more lenient we've gotten when it comes to marijuana and other drugs. You know, I think that this is socially all kind of part of the same thing. Yeah, I just try to relate it to look at look at what happened with cigarettes. I mean, everybody did it. Doctors were doing it. They were smoking in hospitals. And all of a sudden, people said, you know what? This isn't this isn't right. This isn't healthy. You know, I, I look at it. And, and I mentioned earlier, like in 2020, there's going to be a ballot question to expand in Massachusetts that all stores that sell food can have a beer and wine license. So the number of wow locations you're going to see beer and wine is going to go up in the thousands, up by thousands. Every every convenience store that sells food, gas station, supermarket, they will not need any permission to get a license. They will just automatically qualify for a license. That's very interesting. So, it's, a, it's almost more the European model, exactly, you know, where exactly. alcohol so, is so much more normalized, but yeah. having the availability to it, we don't also necessarily have the same relationship to it 
as if we were Europeans. Yeah. You so know, when you, you, you grow up with thing. it, yeah, yeah exactly. being part of your culture, but you also know that, okay, this is something that we drink with a meal and it's not something that we're just going to drink so that we can get drunk. The, the idea behind integrating it into a meal is very different when it's available everywhere as opposed to our cultural relationship with alcohol, which is a little bit more fraught and tricky. Exactly. So here's, here's with that ballot question is going to go in, in 2020. You're going to walk in and the ballot question is going to ask you, do you want beer and wine in convenience stores? Now, you may recall in 2006, I believe, this was a ballot question for supermarkets. Do you want beer and wine in supermarkets? And voters voted it down, narrowly voted it down. And at the time, the Package Store Association had an agreement with the Supermarket Association saying, you know, this was close. Let's come up with a deal where it doesn't come up again. Because we don't want it to pass. Then the supermarket people said, okay, let's just increase the licenses. So it went from three to five to seven, and then 2020 it will be nine. But they weren't happy with just having nine. So they challenged it and said, we want now a ballot question that says anyone that sells food can sell beer and wine. Unlimited licenses. So that would be the question. You're going to walk in, Kim, it's going to say, do you want to buy beer and wine at a convenience store? And looking at that, everyone's going to say, yeah, right? Con- going back to convenience. But within the bill, there's all these other things. And all those other things relate to safety. First off is they want to get rid of the license checking thing as far as right now in mass. You're, you're familiar with this, Kim, being in Where someone certified. checks your license you, so that they're aware that you are old enough to actually purchase the alcohol. In mass, you can only accept a mass license, mass ID, military ID, or passport. No Rhode Island license, no Connecticut mm-hmm. license. They want to waive that so you can accept anything. Oh. And everyone will have to get scanned. So now every store has to buy electronic ID systems. Everyone's going to get scanned. So that's how they're getting around the, we can accept all sorts of identifications, but we're going to have this technology that we're will verify that it's real. Yeah, but think about it. Where all these stores are going to get it, it's really convenience to them because you can now have, say, an 18-year-old person just putting in the machine, not having to check one and only say one license. It eliminates a lot of factors of people you're denying. This is the technology, right? right? Technology, but it's also getting a safety feature away from the state. The second thing it wanted to do, which was in the bill that you won't see unless you read all that little stuff, it's going to say that the number of inspectors, the ABC, the beverage inspectors who check if people are selling the miners or whatever, will be uh, for every 250 licenses, one inspector. So currently there's 22 state inspectors. With this new thing, they'll cut them in half. It'll actually cut the amount of inspectors in half and increase the licenses by thousands. Wow, and we sort so, of feel like there aren't enough inspectors to go around now. Right now. And this is restaurant and retail inspectors. So the little things that are in the bill that people won't see are safety related to me. So there's the convenience, yeah. I would I would say, yeah, I want to... That convenient. I want to walk in any store and buy it. I should. So you're gonna you well, you're gonna start seeing it if it passes every Cumberland Farms, every Speedway, every Shell station, every CVS, and they're every, all gonna have the same wine. They, it's all gonna be the same commodity wines. No one's gonna well, be doing the, fine wine. This is where we talked about. It's going where they're really nervous is getting rid of the three tier. So now if I'm let's just say a big chain, if I'm CVS. 
in Franklin alone, there's two CVSs. Mm-hmm. Why do I need the distributor? I'll say to the distributor, the winery, you just sell it to me. I'll make my or make me a CVS wine label. I'll sell my own brand. It's private CVS, label, right? Yeah. So you don't have to use the distributor. So it brings up the whole fear again of getting rid of the three tier system. Mm-hmm. But the big guys or the big change, they'll they'll want to use their own brands, their own. So you'll see it every. So now the person getting back to the generation thing we talked about that went to the drugstore for their drugs, CVS, then they went to the supermarket. They're only going to go to one. They're going to get their gas, they'll get beer. They'll get their drugs, they'll get beer. They'll get their food, they'll get beer. So it opens up a whole can of worms. But the way it's worded, you have to, you be careful. So I, I don't know. What you, that I, As far as restaurants, it'll change. I'm, I'm assuming the same ID checking thing is going to be in restaurants. You're going to have to scan their license. When people order wine at the table. Yeah. That's very interesting. Yeah, because they're changing the law. Yeah. Now, do you currently at the restaurant accept out of state? Do they accept out of state? You get a lot of visitors in Boston. Yes. So it's discretion of the the retailer or the the restaurant if Correct. you take it, but legally you're not covered. Right. But when you're in an area like you know Boston, you're getting tourists and in, in right, free, and from other countries as right. well. So you could take a passport, which is legal. But in like in Franklin, a lot of people come from Rhode Island, mm-hmm. and technically you can't take it. They could be fifty year, years old. I can't tell you the number of people who come in from the markets, the supermarkets that use that system and say we can't take it and they lose customers but that's all going to change so it's interesting it's a, it's a lot of stuff as a retailer it's always something coming up restaurants probably don't stress as much about it but this this decision in the supreme court in this last decision it wasn't like a close decision it no, was like it wasn't seven two or six what, it was, yeah things? they i think a lot of the chatter about it has been that they wanted to make a clear decision about this now because there are like you said really big organizations that are going to want in on this so talking about like amazon will that open the door for amazon to be able to sell wine in all 50 states so it does sound like the supreme court did want to make Make a pretty unified stand uh, in in this decision. How are they going to like? How would Amazon even do that? When I get an Amazon package now, they take a picture of my package on my mm-hmm. steps. I mean, I, I, I would don't assume know. They can't leave it without a. I signature. don't think they'd be able to leave it. it. It would probably have to be signed for. Have you ordered wine through the mail? No, you've never gotten a delivery. I never have. Really? I've gotten deliveries, but they've been directly from professional contacts that I'm doing wine marketing or whatnot from, but not um, not like a, a retail purchase of wine. No. Every time I've I've ordered from like out of state wines, like I wanted to try Michigan or something like that, mm-hmm. and I've had them at my house. They I've never signed for them. Hmm. They've just on my on my steps, and I never understand. And but when you go to if you ever go I to a postal center, I doubt they're supposed to do that. You, I don't think they're supposed to do that. Did you ever have anyone ask you? You know, I want to ship a bottle to a relative. Mm-hmm. And if you go to like postal etc. or the post office, you and, and you tell them there's alcohol in there. They're not they're not going to take no. The they package, won't ship it. Right? No, I don't know won't. why people do it. Why they tell them what's in here. You know, what do you ask you? What's in here? <laughs> None of your business, right? <laughs> but I always tell people, you know, put it in a in a bag and seal in case it breaks and it doesn't leak, right? And then bubble wrap it and then put it in a designed wine shipment box. People do it, but I don't know if it's illegal. I think or, it depends on the state. Or they just don't want to deal with it. Yeah. Because, you know, as the as the shipping person, they're, they're handing it to, you, to the post office who's not supposed to ship, right? right. So they get responsible far too so yeah it's a liability issue it's you know you don't want to be the one responsible for leaving it and getting it having it drop in the hands of somebody who shouldn't be drinking it it's all these factors it's a lot of stuff and there's there's a i think we talked in the past too in the massachusetts alone i think there was between 
60 and 80 bills right now to deal with alcohol changes. Because even mm-hmm. like the alcohol laws in mass, there's little things that are crazy. Right. You know, the, the rest- especially now that this has come down, then there have to be some other decisions that are made in our legislature. And they're waiting. Most of the time, they're waiting to see what's happening at the federal level before they even look at these because it might, you know, they might throw them away because in the federal level, they're going to make the decision. But there's just so much. I, I don't know. It's hard to keep track of it all. Yeah. You're listening to The Wonderful World of Wine. We're your hosts, Mark and Kim. You can find more information about Mark at franklinliquors.com and more information about myself at vinitaswineworks.com. So another historic decision that has taken place recently from across the pond took place in France uh, and in the wine region of Bordeaux. So as many of you are familiar with, in Europe, they tend to name their wines after the places that they come from. Uh, And Bordeaux is arguably the area that produces the best quality fine wine of anywhere in the world. And they are very proud of their wines. And there are a lot of uh, rules and regulations that go into what you have to do in order to be able to call your wine Bordeaux. Above and beyond just being from that area, it needs to be made from a certain blend of grapes. And the grape varieties that are allowed in Bordeaux primarily are Cabernet Sauvignon and Merlot for the reds. And they're usually Sauvignon Blanc blends for the whites. However, with changes to climate and with other things going on, the winemaking group of Bordeaux has come to a unanimous decision to include other grape varieties in the blend going forward. So this is this is quite a watershed moment, I think, for Bordeaux, because not only are they changing their rules as far as what grapes are allowing in the blend, but they're using a lot of crossings. So t- two grape varieties that were bred specifically to combat a lot of the issues that we're seeing in the climate now. Yeah, and they're not too uh, quick to make changes. It's no, been, not at all. You know, hundreds of years. This is what they say you use and you use them. So finally, the growers and the winemakers are saying to the government with climate control happening and disease and late later harvesting every year and it, the acidity levels are off, we need to come up with these other alternatives, something. So they found four new reds, three new whites. And as you said, Kim, a lot of them were crossings. And they're crossings because they're taking the best of one thing to, to kind of get the best of the fruit out of, right. of the area. So and they and they agreed to it, but I think they said uh, they're going to trial it for ten years, maybe, and see what happens. And it's only allowed to be a small percentage of the total amount of the wine. I think up to ten percent of the blend can be these new grape varieties. These are not hybrid grapes. You know, they're not kind of what we see here in New England, where they have one parent that's an American grape and another parent that's a European grape. These are all the same species of grapes that ordinarily go into European wines, and they're not GMOs either. They were created by natural agricultural breeding in a greenhouse and this is this is big business in the wine world if you if you didn't know this creating of new types of grape varieties but there you know this attempt to grapple with climate change is really leading to a lot of changes in a number of places in the world so they're hoping that using these grape varieties will help them improve the quality of their wines and deal with climate change and these are grape varieties that have reduced susceptibility to disease because when you have rain at other parts of the year that you're not expecting it. You've got more mold issues, fungal issues, but 
also we sometimes are seeing later harvests or like you said that that acid level of the wine is is out of balance so like you said they can only add up to 10 percent of these to the blend and only five percent of their vineyard area can grow these grapes so i'm excited to see my first bordeaux red that has like a 10 percent of torriga nacional torriga nacional a portuguese grape was one of the the uh, four red grapes right um there was some forgotten french red grape and then and i think albarino is one of the whites too yeah you're right a portuguese so, so two, portuguese two portuguese grapes grape. into bordeaux right which is very interesting so i, I mean, can totally see the albarino as working with white bordeaux though because it's got those aromatics and it's very pretty and i can see that being a nice balance for the sauvignon blanc so it'll be great to find the first one that has yeah. one of these in the blend and say you know catch someone on it because traditionally there's five red grapes in the in the bordeaux reds and then to throw these in we'll put a wrench into to someone's taste right. and that's so for sure. we'll see how these grapes are used in the blends and still retain the style and the quality that we've come to expect from bordeaux and uh and and we'll see if this is a way of moving forward and, and dealing with climate change Thank you for listening to us at The Wonderful World of Wine. We've been your hosts, Kim Simone and Mark Lenzi. You can find us on Facebook at The Wonderful World of Wine and find past episodes on SoundCloud and iTunes. Cheers. Cheers.